Hey everyone, this is Pastor Paul. I hope you're having a great weekend. Hey, last week we had our closing message on the series called Lit. And we had been talking about liturgies and what we needed to finish up with is talking about the liturgy of how we handle regrets and mistakes in our lives. And at the end of it, I invited you to come forward and to take one of these cards and to write something that you regret and leave it at the cross with Christ. We were told in Ephesians that we were dead in our transgressions, but we have been made alive unto God through Jesus Christ. And um, uh, so many of you responded to that. It, it overwhelmed me um, that your hearts were so open to God and to his word and to his grace. And a hundred of you responded to that. You got up out of your seat, which took a lot of courage, you got a card, you wrote it out, and you wrote it out. I mean, you put stuff here that people don't share. And I just want to let you know, these cards were not, even though they were prayed over by the team, they were not shared to be read by the team. Um, I alone have looked through these cards and, and was humbled by your honesty before God. I was proud of the fact that you are pursuant after God. And some of our lives are really under a challenge of how we move forward. Some of you having to deal with regrets of marriage and um, raising children, maybe terminating pregnancies, um, uh, attractions to people that maybe you shouldn't have attractions to, uh, hatred towards fathers, um, uh, adulteries, I mean, all kinds of things. and and. And you came and you responded. And I just want to tell you, speaking for God, that is what he's looking for. A broken and a contrite heart he will not despise. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not stomp out. That God hears your hearts. And I know that it took courage for you to come up. And so as I go over the next few minutes and pray over these one more time and put these in the fire, uh, let me invite you to continue to walk forward. Uh, God is proud of you. He loves you. He wants your life to live regret-free. Do we make mistakes? We all do. Will you make mistakes? Yes, you will. But now you know the power of living a life free of regret and to live it forward with the grace of God, regret-free in a redeemed life. Again, well done, well done, and I hope you have a great day. Can we just give a shout of praise to God for what he did last weekend? Absolutely, let's give it up for God and what happened last weekend. I know after spending some time talking to Pastor Paul this past week and having the opportunity to pray over those cards, just how impactful last Sunday was. I know that some of you left here last Sunday and you left your regret at the cross and you took home freedom, you took home mercy, you took home forgiveness and empowerment and strength from our God. And I am so thankful for those of you who were here and who experienced that. But if you're like me and you wanted those people who were traveling last weekend and you didn't experience it and you got a little FOMO going on because I totally had FOMO going on, don't worry. 
The same God who was here last week pouring out grace, mercy, love, and forgiveness is the same God who's meeting with us today, and he wants to give you that today as well. So if you got some of it last week, praise God. If you want more of it this week, praise God, because we serve a God who has an endless supply to meet the needs that we have. So if you are visiting with us and you're like, who is this? My name is Stacy McLean. My husband, Chris, and I have been calling Crosstown home for about 20 years now which makes me feel old, but it's okay. I love it. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. We love being here and being a part of this family and what God is doing. Pastor Paul has the opportunity to spend some time with his family this weekend. So he's asked me to come and to share with you guys today. And so what I want to talk to you about today is something that we all have in common. Every single one of us, if you are watching online, if you are here, if you're listening to this on a podcast three weeks from now, I'm talking to you. Every single one of us has this in common. It doesn't matter what gender we are. It doesn't matter what race we are. It doesn't matter our age, our socioeconomic background. It doesn't matter what kind of education we have. We all share this one thing in common. But if you are like me, you don't want to admit it. (laughs) And you do everything in your power to try and hide it because you don't want other people to know this. You try to let do other things to make up for it. Sometimes, even in my own life, I miss out on things and I end up hurting myself because I don't want to admit this one thing. And the thing that we all have in common, the thing that we have a hard time sometimes admitting is that we all have needs. Every single one of us has needs. But no one really likes to be that person who's so needy all the time. Why do we think that it's okay you know, for us to try and hide that and cover it up. A lot of you, though, are sitting here maybe like me as well thinking, yeah, but I don't really have needs. I mean, I'm, I'm good. I, I have worked hard. I've built a career. I've built a, a job, a company. I'm very successful. I have a good family. And you're right. A lot of you have done a really good job of taking care of your family, using your mind to create businesses, to be creative, and you've been very successful. But the truth is... We all had needs. We need the very breath in our lungs to live. We need basic things. And even our minds that we have were not ours just because we had them. They were given to us by a good, loving God. That we were given all of the things that we have. And so a lot of times, we don't like to lean on other people. We don't like to admit that we have needs and that we lean on other people and acknowledge that, you know, I can't do this thing alone, but I'm just going to tell you a secret about myself. I cannot do this life alone. I can't. I cannot do it alone. And I realized that last week when I had a flat tire at 10 o'clock at night and my husband and my son had to come help me change the flat tire. Like, I know how to change a flat tire, but y'all, I don't have the physical strength. I watched these two guys changing my tire, and I was like, I can never, I don't have the strength to kick that thing the way you're kicking that thing. I don't, I mean, I just, I needed somebody else to come do that for me. So I think a lot of us, though, have a hard time relying on other people. I don't even like relying on my husband, who is 
given to me by God to help me. I mean, that's what we're doing together. And even in that, it was really hard. I was like, I'm so sorry. I had to call you to change my flat tire. I feel terrible about it. I'm really sorry. And he was like, this is, this is what we do. We're married. This is, this is what we do for each other. But we have a hard time trusting other people and relying on other people. We don't like to rely on other people. And so what happens is we don't think that we can trust other people to provide for us. And maybe you're in that boat. Maybe you have worked really hard because you have not had people that you can rely on, that you can trust. But what happens is then, like myself at times, I try to control the environment. I try to take care of what I have and I try to hold it tight and I try to control that environment around me, whether it's relationships, whether it's finances or my time. I try to control what I am in charge of and what that does is leads me down to a path of being selfish, full of worry, anxiety, and sometimes even hoarding what I have because I feel like if I don't take care of it, nobody else is going to. And so what I have discovered is the root of our problem, your problem, my problem, is that we don't trust God to provide for us. We really don't. I mean, we can say that we trust God. It is, honestly, I was thinking about that this morning, um, one of the most common things that I hear God tell me, probably other than I love you, because if you are hearing from God and one of the most common things you're not hearing is, hey, I love you, then I would suggest that you go read maybe 1st, 2nd, 3rd John because he does love you and it is one of the most common things he will say to you. So if you think that you're hearing the voice of God and what you're hearing is, man, you really messed up, you should have done better, why'd you do that again? I'm just gonna tell you that's probably not God's voice. God's voice speaks love. He leads in love towards us. And I'm gonna show you that today. But one of the other things that God has been saying to me over the last year is, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Well, yes, Lord, I trust you. Yes, Lord, I trust you. But at the root of my actions, at the way that I try to control relationships in my life, am I demonstrating that I am actually trusting God? It's one thing to say, yes, I trust you, God. And then it's another thing to obsess about my son's location on Life 360. I mean, seriously, yeah, I trust you, God, but I need to know exactly how fast he's going. I need to know how many hard breaks he's had. I need to know how many rapid accelerations he, like, as if I can change that. You guys, from looking on the phone, I can't. But I obsess about those things when God is saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And I think a lot of us have had some life experiences that have misled us to believe that God isn't capable or even worse, he just doesn't care enough. And so if that's you today, I don't know what your personal background is with God or with the church or your experience with that, but some of us have come to the conclusion that he really isn't who he says he is and he really can't provide for all that I need or even worse, he just doesn't care about me. Both of those are lies. Neither one of those are true. And then no matter what we have experienced, no matter how we feel, God's word is true. So don't take my word for it because some of you don't even know me. So why would you believe me? So Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see, we don't get any further than the 29th verse of the Bible. Genesis 1.29 says that God gave every plant yielding seed and every tree yielding fruit for food for us. 
God gives. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God is a generous giver. God is a giver. It is in his nature. He can do nothing but give because that is who he is. It isn't just something that some days he wakes up this morning and he feels like, man, I want to be generous. I want to give. See, that's how I am in my own personal life. There are some days I just wake up in a good mood. It happens a lot of times on Fridays. Anybody else wake up in a good mood on Fridays and a terrible mood on Monday? Or is that, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But a lot of times on Fridays, I'll wake up and I'll be in a good mood and I just feel extra generous. And so I want to go to the grocery store and I want to buy Cersei's for all my people in my house. I want to buy Chris's favorite candy and I want to buy Joshua's favorite food. And, you know, I, I feel generous. That's not how God gives. God is always generous. He is always a giver. But for a lot of us, we really have a hard time believing that. We live in a culture that has told us that we have to make it ourselves, that we are the only one who's going to care about ourselves, we're the only ones who's going to take care of ourselves, and that we need to be independent, we need to show our independence, and we don't need to rely on anyone. I mean, even as a parent, I am guilty of that with my kids because, yes, you should raise independent kids. We need a future generation that is going to know how to do things. I'm not saying that. But if I ever communicate to my children, you don't need anyone, I have done a disservice to them. But I think a lot of us spend time in a culture that tells us we don't need to rely on anyone. And that is an insidious lie that we cannot believe any longer. Every single one of us has needs. We have needs that a good God, who is a giving and loving God, wants to provide for us. I think the other problem runs into we confuse our needs and our wants. If you have children, you totally understand this, and I don't even need to say another word. Because when your kid comes in and says, I need these new tennis shoes, and they're $165. I don't know if you guys have teenage boys, but their shoes are, don't even talk about women's shoes, because the teenage boys' shoes are expensive. And they're like, but I need them, I need them. But I think a lot of times we confuse our needs and our wants. And so we will say to God, I need this house. I need this job. I need this relationship. See, God knows what you need. He knows you need a place to live. He knows you need income. He knows you need community and relationships, but it's the this that gets us in trouble. It's the this. This is my need. And the reality is that this may actually be a want and not a need. And so we have to evaluate what the difference is between our needs and our wants. And so for some of us today, that's where God's gonna challenge you because you have been seeking God for what you think is a need and what he wants you maybe to know is, hey, that's not actually a need. That's a want that you have. But he will provide all that we need. So I'll just be real honest with you and upfront. My goal today is to show you that God always provides and that because he will provide, we can be radically generous. So that's where we're going today. I want you to walk out of here understanding and knowing in your heart and knowing in your mind that God always provides for all of our needs. And because he is a God who sees into the future and sees what I need, then I can respond with radical generosity. See, I don't think the reality is, I don't think most of us are selfish at our core. I really don't. I don't think we're all kind of just a bunch of selfish people. I mean, some of us may be, but I don't think we are. I think the truth is, if we got really to the heart of it, is that we don't believe that God has an endless supply. 
we don't think that there's enough to go around. We don't think there's enough forgiveness to go around or enough mercy or enough money or enough stuff to go around. I think that's where a lot of us have a hard time because we just feel like the supply is going to run out. And again, that's not true. I have this silly analogy I want to share with you about it, and I get it. So you can make fun of me and you can laugh, and that's just part of the job, and that's okay. But so a few years ago, we had a house full of people, and we were all taking showers around the same time. And um, I did not like that because we had a hot water heater that would run out of hot water all the time. And so I got really upset about it to the point where I'm like setting timers in the house. You have 3.7 minutes to take a shower. If you go over your allotted time, I am coming in there and I am turning the water off because when mama gets in the shower, I want hot water. You know what I'm saying? I'm cold all the time, you guys. I just need 15 minutes in a hot shower to warm up, okay? But I mean, I was losing my mind. Obviously, my husband realized this and being the incredibly kind, good husband, instead of being like, Stacy, you need to back down. You know what he did? He went and invested in a tankless hot water heater for us. So you know what that means? I have an endless supply of hot water at my house. I mean, I'm like out in the streets going, hey, anybody need a hot shower? Come on in. I got an endless supply of hot water in my house now. I'm chasing people down on the street saying, come in and take a shower. You see, I wasn't hoarding the hot water. I wasn't holding it tightly because I'm selfish. It was just there wasn't enough of it. And some of us, I know it's silly, I know, but some of us treat God that way, that he doesn't have an endless supply for us. And the reality is he does have an endless supply for us. As a matter of fact, we are told over and over in scripture that he created everything that exists. Everything in this world was created by a God who was never created, and he has all things. If you read Psalm, you'll see he says, the world and its fullness belong to me. Everything, the stars, the moon, the laws of science, everything in the world belongs to God because the truth is he has an endless supply and God has no needs. God does not need anything. I have said to, my, to people at times, well, God needs me to do this. That's not true. God may desire me to do it. God may have planned for me to do it. God may want me to do it, but God does not need me. He has no needs. He is completely sufficient all by himself. But that's where it's radical. He chooses us, you guys. He chooses a God who is more powerful than anything we can ever imagine or think. I mean, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has perceived the greatness of our God. And yet he chooses us. But don't confuse his choosing of us, his desire to work with us, that he has a need because he does not have a need. As a matter of fact, some of us are like, no, you don't understand. God really does need me because I love God so much. I know God needs me because I just have this burning love for God. Well, let me just tell you what 1 John 4, 9 says. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, we love God because he first loved us. So he sent his son as a sacrifice on our behalf. He gave the greatest, most indescribable gift ever given because he first loved us. 
So the amount of love that you have for God, praise God. If you are someone who is radically in love with God, I am so glad. I want to spend time with people like that. But that love that you have for him is only about this much compared to the depth of the love that he has for you. You see, he poured that love into your heart, and he showed us this love by sending his son as the ultimate sacrifice who paid the price so that we can be in relationship with him, so that we can know him. And so just like, you know, it says in Matthew, he talks about how God being so rich in mercy, God's given us good gifts. Matthew 7:11 says this, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who seek him, who ask him? You see, he desires to give us good gifts. Some of us have not experienced that with God, and so it's hard for us to believe that, but God's word tells us that. And he actually goes on to tell us in scripture, he knows what you need before you ask for it. There is never a time in your life that you have come before God and you have asked him for something that he didn't already know that you needed that. He already knows what you need before you ask it. So where's the disconnect in that? If this good God who has everything I need and I can trust, where is that disconnect in it? Why don't I feel that all the time? Why do I feel like that may not be the case? Because I think the reality is, We have things that we face every day that stress us out. I mean, can I just see, honestly, a show of hands, how many of you were stressed out this past week, either about finances, relationships, jobs, health, what's going on in the world around us? I mean, anybody feeling stressed out about that? Okay, yeah. And if you're like me, (laughs) and probably you are, how did you respond to that stress? More often than not, the way I respond to that stress is I worry and I fret over it, and I obsess about it, and I think about it in my head. I have two or three situations in my mind right now that have raised their ugly head this morning that instead of going to God and saying, God, you're in control, I have schemed, I have fretted, I have worried, I have stressed, and I have tried to control the situation. I have not taken my worry to him. I have not said, God, I trust you in this. But a lot of times we respond to the worry and the stress around us by continuing to wrestle with anxiety and fear. I mean, if you're, if you're a person who's normally anxious, then what's going on in the world right now has probably only amped up that anxiety. And if you're not, it's still, you're, you're feeling the pressure. And we worry about everything. We are constantly worried. And I don't think, sometimes I'm like, no, I'm not really worried. Yeah, you know why? Because I'm controlling things. That's why I'm not worried. Because I am taking responsibility for what's going on and I'm trying to control things instead of trusting God. But worrying, how's that been working out for you the last week? You know that thing that you just raised your hand about that you were stressed out about and that maybe you have some fear, anxiety, or worry? Has the worry produced anything good for you? Because you know what worry produces? a shorter lifespan. There's science that proves it. Worrying does not improve anything. And again, don't take my word for it. (laughs) Let's listen to what Jesus says and what we can know to be true about Jesus through his word. So for the rest of this morning, I'm gonna be in Luke chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles or you wanna follow along, feel free. I'm starting in verse six and I'll jump around, but Luke 12 is rich. It's a huge chapter. There's a lot in it. I don't have enough time to go through all of it, but I wanna share this with you. Jesus says, Luke 12, starting in verse six, 
Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more valuable than many sparrows. That is a truth that needs to settle into our hearts. Even the least of the things on this earth that were created by God do not have the value that you have. Fear not. He knows you. He really does. He knows your deep needs. Even the ones that you aren't verbalizing, he knows it and he cares. And he cares so much that he has all of your hairs numbered. Let me speak to the women for just a second. If you're like me, I lose hair every day. Like I probably got a thousand pieces of my hair on me right now. My God knows me so well that he knows every piece of hair on my head. He goes on to say in the same section, who by worrying has added an hour to your day? When we worry, when we fret, does that do anything? It's not working out for most of us. So why do we keep doing it? Because the alternative, trusting in God, seems so much harder, but it is not. And when we worry, we tend to hoard and over-control. And so that, that really is, again, I, I mean, this message was super convicting for me this week, you guys. I was like, really? <laughs> okay, Lord. He does that a lot to me. It just, it's so, but we try to hoard and control things, and we wrap it in the guise of we're just trying to be responsible. We're just trying to take care of things. I mean, y'all, this week, I wanted to call Ricky and be like, hey, Ricky, I think you should play this song and this song and this song. And the Lord was like, Bro, stay out of your lane. Like, get in your lane. Stay out of his lane. You should never. You should never have anything to do with that. Because the reality is, Ricky is a man of God who hears God's voice, who prays, and the Holy Spirit speaks to him and puts together a set list like we got to sing this morning that was unbelievable. But see, I was like, but it's my responsibility because I know what verses I'm teaching. No, that was me trying to control the situation, and I should not do that. I think a lot of us are in that situation. So again, in Luke 12, Jesus is telling, he's speaking, there's a huge crowd of people, I mean, tons and tons of people, and he's speaking, and at times he's speaking to the crowd, and at other times he's speaking to his disciples. And at one point, this man interrupts him, and he's like, hey, Jesus, you know, Jesus is speaking, throwing down some serious truth. And he goes, hey, you know, Jesus, why don't you um, tell my brother that half the inheritance should be mine? Like, I should have half the inheritance. And Jesus is like, do, do you think I came here to, to be the arbitrator of that? And so he goes in to tell him a parable, a story to help him understand, like, you're missing the point. You're missing what I've been talking about. And the parable that Jesus begins telling him is there was a man who had so much stuff. His land had been so fertile that he had produced so much. You see, the first part says the land was so fertile, it was so rich. Who provided that land? God. And instead of the man saying, thank you, God, he said, you know what I need to do? I need to build bigger barns. I need to tear these barns down and build bigger barns to store more stuff that I have. Y'all, anybody got a garage full of stuff that they're storing? (laughs) Anybody got a storage unit they got stuff in? I mean, When I read that and it was like, yeah, what about your garage? I mean, and I'm just being honest. I have a garage full of stuff that I'm like, yeah, but I might need that one day. I'm going to hold on to that because that might be valuable one day. How about if it's got value today, give it to somebody who can use it instead of like hoarding it and holding it tightly. And so the story goes on. Jesus is telling this parable and Jesus says 
you know, that the man is trying to build bigger barns and God comes to him and he says, this very night, your soul is gonna be required of you. You see, because we, (laughs) that's not ours. And so um, Jesus was warning these people that this life is not about abundant of possessions and stuff. And this is radical for us, you guys. We live in an American culture that tells us bigger is better. It is. We supersize everything in our lives. I mean, we supersize our food. We supersize our cars. We supersize our house. Everything bigger is better. That is the American kingdom. But the truth is, the American kingdom is not God's kingdom. You see, This American kingdom is a real thing and we live in it and we are inundated with it every single day. You cannot pick up your phone without being inundated by the American kingdom of consumerism. Go buy more. But that is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says give it all away so that you can get the greatest prize ever, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ. But that is radically different than the world that we live in and what culture tells us every day. But don't worry, Jesus goes on to tell them in Luke 12, starting in verse 31. He recognizes this and understands it. And he says, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried for all the nations of the world seek after these things. See, all the nations, even 2,000 years ago, were seeking after all of these things of wanting more. And he said, your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, We do fret and worry about things that we do not need to fret and worry about. He knows what we need. And I love verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That is such a beautiful verse that Jesus, he's just speaking to them. And he looks at them and he says, fear not, little flock. Like it literally in the original was little, little. (laughs) Like you little you little flock. And he's talking to his disciples. These are the same guys that he's given power to raise people from the dead and to heal people. I mean, and he's saying, oh, see, you have limit and you have lack, but I am a God who is limitless. Not like Chris Hemsworth is limitless, but like limitless. Our God is limitless and he has no lack. And instead of bragging and having bravado about that, God says, I see you. And I see your lack, and I see your limit, and it is my good pleasure to give you my kingdom. And because of that, you can give away radically and generously. So don't be afraid. And I think for a lot of us today, that's where we need to challenge ourselves. We are afraid of the future. We are afraid that if we don't start putting money in our 401k today, Who's going to take care of us in 15 years, in 30 years from now? We are afraid of the future. And I think instead of holding on to the fear of the future, today God is inviting us to start trusting him for today so we can begin giving generously. God is asking us, start trusting me today so today you can begin giving 
generously. And I'm not just talking about giving possessions and things like that. The biggest area God challenged me this week is giving generosity of thought to others. I'm gonna tell you, that one hit me right here this week. I was like, oh, because honestly, if you guys know me, I am married to a man who is radically generous. He will give you anything. And so by default, I'm with him. So we are generous. <laughs> um, I'm thankful that he leads our family in that way. But the thing that I have a hard time with is generosity of thought towards other people. But God is saying today, Stacy, trust me, trust that I have redeemed you, trust that I have set you free, trust that I have forgiven you. And so now out of that, with hands wide open, let that blessing of mercy and love and compassion flow in your thought to other people instead of judgment and instead of trying to control situations. And so I think for a lot of us, he is asking us to trust him with our whole life. He is inviting us to give ourselves to him who is a good and loving God. The apostle Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthian church and he's telling them, um, you know, listen, there's this group of Christians, there's this group of people and they have nothing. They are in great need, but because they have first given themselves to the Lord and now through the will of God have given themselves to ours, the Apostle Paul is bragging on them and saying, this group of people, they have given abundantly more. They have been so generous, not out of surplus, but out of poverty. And how did they do that? They did it because they first gave themselves to the Lord. That's where it starts. Have you first given yourself to the Lord? Have you made that choice? And, may, and I'm not necessarily talking about salvation here. If you have never done that, then yes, today is the day. God is standing at the door and knocking. He wants you to invite him in. He wants you to give yourself. But I'm talking about resurrendering our hearts to God every single day. Like this is a prayer that we should be praying every single day is giving our hearts to God. God, all that I have is yours. You have it all. One of the most common prayers I pray in the morning is, God, I surrender my thoughts, my temperament, and my tongue to you today. And he's like, yeah, keep surrendering those thoughts, Stacy. Keep surrendering those thoughts. And once we have done that, once we have given ourselves to the Lord, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 9, this is what happens. This is what happens when we first give ourselves to the Lord wholeheartedly. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart. And I believe there we're talking about like giving ourselves to God. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We become cheerful givers when we give our whole heart to God. And then listen to what happens next. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. I mean, y'all, that verse, able to make all grace abound, having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, abound in every good work. If we will take that verse in and hear that, when, you're, when like I'm studying scripture, one of the things that I do is if a word is repeated a couple of times, it must mean that like God's saying, hey, this is important. You know what, what word do you hear repeated in that? All, all. And you know what all means? In the Greek, real technical, it means all. It means everything. All means all. He will make all things abound 
work. That is the God we serve. But it starts with us first giving our heart to him and opening up our hands. When God gives to us, we need to have our hands wide open. This is something I told you my husband leads in this. He's told me this. This is his analogy that he said, Stacy, when God gives to us, we got to open up our hands like this. And yeah, it's true. Somebody can come take something out of my hand. But the reality is God can let the blessings just keep coming and pour down into the lives of other people. But see, when we take something from God like this and we close our fist around it and we hold onto it tightly, I will never forgive that person. What they did is wrong and I'm not gonna let go of that. You know what? There's no room for God to give you more grace and more forgiveness and more love and more mercy and more compassion. Because I think some of us don't want to forgive because we think, well, if I forgive them, then it must mean that I'm saying it's okay. It's the exact opposite. When you say, I forgive you for what you did because it hurt me, you're recognizing that what they did was not right. And we give forgiveness from God himself who poured out forgiveness for us. So God is inviting us today. He is inviting us to replace fear and anxiety with trust and hope. Are you willing to take God up on that invitation? God provides for us not to increase our worry. But so many of us understand this because the truth is the more you have, the more stuff breaks, okay? The bigger the house, the more responsibility is to take care of the house. The more expensive the car is that you just have to have, the more the repair is on that. And so when we are trying to accumulate stuff to settle our worry, what we're actually doing is increasing our worry. And God provides for us in a way that he does not increase our worry, he takes it away. Because we can trust him. Because his word tells us that he can do abundantly more than we can think or imagine. So, you know, I love this verse, Psalm 84, 11. It's been a verse that has been a real um, encouragement to my heart over the last couple of years. Because for a long time, I did live in this place where I think some of us live, where we feel like um, God's just holding out on us. But again, don't believe me. Listen to what David penned in Psalm 84. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That verse is so beautiful. He is a sun and a shield. He is the light that lights up the path for us. He is the sun. He gives us the warmth. He gives us all that we need. And he is our shield. He is our protector. And he bestows favor and honor. And no good thing does he withhold. And don't you wish kind of, if you're like me, don't you wish the verse stopped right there? But then there's that last sentence from those who walk uprightly. And I'm like, oh, there's the hook. I don't walk uprightly because I don't have generous thoughts towards other people and I don't do this and I don't do that. And the truth is, God tells us in his word, he's the one who has made me walk uprightly. It is through the grace and forgiveness of God that we walk uprightly, that he pours that out. I don't do that. It is God who makes our way blameless. So if you are in Christ, this verse is true for you. This verse is reality for you. Hold on to this verse as you move forward because the reality is through the grace of God and the obedience of Christ, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when we receive the free gift of salvation that has been given to us.
God freely gives. Scripture tells us that every single morning, his mercies are new, every single morning. His mercies will never run out. They will never fail us, ever. Yes, I will fail you. Yes, I will mess up. But God is a God who has a limitless supply. He does not have a single need. He does not lack anything. And he is saying today, trust me. Place your trust in me, not in your 401k, not in how well you take care of your body so that you can prevent health issues down the road. Put your trust in me. Give me all of yourself. And I promise you, I will pour out blessings upon you that you will not be able to contain. So are we gonna step into trusting God today? As we move into this time of expressions, this is a time for us to respond to what God's been speaking to our hearts. I'm not sure exactly where this message hit you this morning, but you know, you know when the Holy Spirit kind of stirred in your heart and your heart beat a little bit faster or your palms got sweaty or you felt that, that tinge of conviction. We don't like it, we don't. It hurts a little bit, but trust me. Well, tr don't trust me, <laughs> trust God that if there was some conviction he laid on your heart this morning, it's because he loves you and he wants to replace that worry and fear and anxiety with his hope and his grace and his mercy and his compassion and his goodness. His goodness will never run out. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us this opportunity to respond to you. So Father, as we come and we partake in the body and blood of Jesus Christ that's offered for the forgiveness of sins, may we recognize the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And may we give thanks to you, God, that you have made a way that when we give ourselves to you fully, that you give us everything we need. Father, thank you this morning that you're giving us this opportunity to respond to you. And maybe today, God, it's a day where we just take our name and we write it and we nail it to that cross in an act of obedience and surrender to you that you get all of us, every part of us. Father, we love you. We thank you that you have led with love towards us this morning and that you've reminded us of the beauty of your word that says that you are a God who will supply all of our needs, that we love you because you first loved us. Father, we thank you for your generous gifts and we ask that we will hold those gifts with hands open wide so that we can generously give to those around us so that your name will be glorified and good will come to those around us. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.